0: Well, I do have a legit first memory because there's no photo of this and I know that this actually happened. Um, So we were on holiday in Santa Panza, which I actually, right now, I'm like, I don't even know where that is. Yeah, where the heck is uh, it? Is it like, it's an island somewhere, Mediterranean kind of? Producer, can you
1: fact check that for us? us?
0: please do. (laughs) I was, I, I turned three on, on this holiday and that's how I know exactly when it was and the memory is of a little lizard licking chocolate out of the inside of an M&M. Oh, Good first memory I think. That's really niche. Yeah yeah and there was a there was a second memory from said holiday which also is animal related insect related ants in the sugar puffs.
1: Mm. I remember that. Let's push you here what color was the M&M?
0: Oh flip Don't know Just remember <laughs> the chocolate inside
1: So this is funny Like I, my first memory is in Lanzarote Oh yeah Also of a lizard
0: Oh really? Yeah on That a is wee spooky boat.
1: And then my second memory Is also animal related I got peed on by a tiger At some <laughs> sort of zoo thing Like a baby one No like a proper what? Like big massive like circus sort of scenario That sounds like health and safety Yeah going well you know it was, it was the 90s bro Like come on <laughs> You have you gone on many holidays like that?
0: Um, I guess, like, my family's sort of go-to holiday is the beach mm. beach holiday. Um, to this day, they're obsessed with Tenerife. My family makes... love Tenerife. And, like, I, my granny literally goes back to the same place, like, every time. Oh, same apartment. Imagine. And it's almost like a timeshare. It's not, but they have, like, people that share the same apartment. And they go there every, every year. I mean, her heart is broken at the minute because she hasn't been for, like... Oh. Like well over a year. So tough. Thanks, COVID. But yeah, they're all sun worshippers, which is funny because like I'm not at all. Yeah. It's like I I enjoy it, but it's not my go to at all. I'm like a city break person oh, yeah? and like would much prefer to explore a city than to lie on the beach. I like that. And I, I find like I could probably do a week mm-hmm. and then I start to get a wee bit like mm-hmm.
1: Right, where are we going? What are we doing? I want to see the site. You sites. got the itch to check your emails. You're yeah. like, give me something. Yeah, Come on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I just hit you with a huge one. If you could go on one city break right now, where would you go?
0: Oh right. Well, so we'll remove all pandemic-related. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's a free pass. Things free pass in uh, New York. Yeah, easily. So good. Like just it's one of those places i just think like no matter how many times you go to it you could still find something new i love like the busyness of it i love the whole like the food scene Mm -hmm. it's just class i know you live there so like you know better than i do but um yeah we went there in our honeymoon a couple of years ago and it was like amazing just love it
1: so so good yeah so yeah look if you've just jumped in uh hello and welcome to best of belfast the podcast that celebrates northern ireland and the incredible people in it We're here with the wonderful Connie Hunter-Jameson today, who is a partner at Studio Stereo, which is a multidisciplinary design firm based in the Portview Trade Center in East Belfast. Uh, Some of their clients include just a couple of small names. You know, I don't know if you've heard any of these guys like Madlug or Van Morrison and the Belfast Whiskey Club. And I really wanted to talk to Connie today because she came really highly recommended by one of my best mates. And also because she spends her days helping people communicate more effectively which um, <laughs> it's something that we could all benefit from, uh, whether we own our own businesses or not. So, Connie, look, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. And uh, I think the place where I'd love to kind of pick up then is, like, talk to me about selling your free school dinner tickets and <laughs> what was that hustle entrepreneurial level like at oh, that man. age?
0: <laughs> oh, well, this is where my entrepreneurial spirit really backfired on me. So, whenever, so when I was eleven. I grew up I grew up in Monkstown State. I should probably go back a wee bit further. Shall I go back? Let's
1: Shall go back. Shall I go back? All back, the Take
0: way. it to the 90s. Um, so I grew up in Monkstown, and for some strange reason, I decided to go to BRA for secondary <laughs> school, um, <laughs> which isn't very nearby. I'd never been there. I'd literally never been there, and I just took this notion that I was going to go there, and thankfully my mum and dad were very like willing to let me have autonomy at 11 years old and decide what school I wanted to go to. So away I went. And... I was one of the free school dinner kids. And nice. uh, I mean, there are enough of them to be all right, but not that many. And there's a bit of a, a kind of story there, I suppose, as well. But um, they used to give you these wee sort of tiny blue dinner tickets. And the thing that I hated so much about it was that you had to get the set school dinner you couldn't go i'll have a burger i'll have a hot dog i'll have chips you couldn't you You had to get get the set dinner and i was the pickiest eater of all time i was neurotic (laughs) about food thankfully now that has been completely blasted out of the water like i'll eat anything but um at 11 years old i would just freak out at whatever oh shepherd's (laughs) pie or whatever it was (laughs) the potato's crispy on top i can't eat it freak out so I discovered that there was a guy in my year and he loved the school dinners. Like absolutely went bananas for them. And he was like, here, I'll buy them off you. I thought, class, like now I can get a burger or I can get whatever rubbish junk food that I want. So I was selling them these dinner tickets and I was, I mean, I'm pretty sure I was just selling them for cost price. I wasn't making a profit, let it be known. (laughs) But he obviously really enjoyed these school dinners because he used multiple tickets in one day oh. and then I didn't realize that they were allocated to me individually so I got absolutely trailed about <laughs> this and brought in for like a meeting with one of the sort of senior leadership team and they were they were trying to work out what kind of racket was I starting Jeez, and I, no I was keys. like 11 years old and I, I look back at that now and I'm like there was a much bigger problem here yes. like it wasn't a wee kid trying to like sell dinner tickets yeah, it was
1: the racketeering the f- was yes. brutal like
0: Oh, so they changed the system whenever I was in sixth year where um, they changed it to like a smart card system. So you got like an allocated amount each day that you Mm. could spend. But I I still look back on that with a kind of a a tinge of rage in my heart that I was was the bad guy when all I was trying to do was get something that I could actually eat. Yeah, because there were some days whenever I would go into the canteen and it would be something like horrific that I would just be traumatised by and I'm sure lots of people would say look just eat it like you're getting it given to you just eat it but I was really neurotic and I would just have like a wee the saddest wee plate of like roast potatoes and that would be my lunch and it was just so sad really dry and just awful so yeah um thanks to thanks to George for using multiple tickets in one day and you know what, exploiting George, you me you spoiled the
1: whole racket here, and like um, Connie could have been a billionaire by now with that racket she had exactly. going on and you just had to ruin it like, Ex- I
0: think so it cool. runs in the family because uh, my brother he he went on to start selling individual strawberry laces <laughs> <laughs> he made. Now he sold for profit. He was making an absolute killing, wow. and then the line had to be drawn whenever he started selling individual cigarettes. Ah, uh, you see, it's a slippery yeah, slope. You start in the strawberry yeah.
1: laces, next thing you know,
0: he's also self-employed. So maybe that's uh, you know, in family, it just it? it's just it runs in the self-employed
1: blood doesn't it? Yeah. So like, would you have any had any exposure to business growing up, other than no. your own racketeering?
0: None. Um. So come from like a pretty standard working class family, like most people had like mum did secretarial work she came out of work for a long time she had to have spinal surgery and was ill for quite a few years Um, so mum was at home she did a lot of volunteering but never in like work Um, And my dad, he, he left school, I think he was 14 and got a job in shorts and did the whole like aviation scene. And then when it all dried up in Belfast, then he started doing contracted work around Europe. So, you know, we would have started in England and then, you know, would have been Germany or Belgium and kind of like moved around European Mm -hmm. countries doing, doing work on airplanes. Um, So, yeah, a lot of like hard work, hard graft, Mm -hmm. um, you know, skilled, skilled work, but, you know, certainly not um starting your own business and yeah. it wasn't really something that was on my radar growing up and it wasn't honestly like i don't think i really took a notion to start my own business until i was in my last year uni crazy and then it was more like i could just give this a go yeah and say i have nothing to lose yeah, yeah i yeah. have i have no real responsibilities i don't have any kids i don't have a mortgage you know have a go Why and see it. and, and then for all crashes and burdens then you know i can get a real job
1: yeah 100. <laughs> so i mean let's let's go there then like talk to us about the studio stereo origin story
0: yeah flip okay probably have to go back to school like yeah. right back um so i started going up with this guy craig and both of us were kind of Art people, I suppose. you year call us. Were you when you started going out? I was lower sixth and he was upper sixth. Nice. Yeah, so he's a year older than me. And um, it was just like a lovely relationship where you just want to spend all your time together yeah. and like always be together. And he went on then when he left school to do foundation art at the art college. Cool. And I was so keen to just be with him all the time that I just bypassed the foundation year and went straight to the degree <laughs> so that we could be in the same school year which is like looking back on it, it is real like lovesick kind of thing but to be honest at that point in time I really knew I was like the foundation year would be good Mm -hmm. it'd be good fun it'd be good experience but I'd watched him do it and I kind of like by proxy Mm -hmm. knew no I want to do this design degree and um, I had toyed with the idea of fine art as well like I love to paint but there was that kind of like mercenary part of my brain that was like Mm, jobs in design, jobs in fine art. Uh, You know, I was kind of, I was trying to future-proof. And it seemed more sensible to me to to take that on. And thankfully I did get accepted onto the degree, which was good because at the time, I don't know what it's like now, but they didn't often let you do the degree unless you had your foundation year. So so I took that as a a positive sign. And then we ended up in the same year group for the first time, Mm -hmm. which was great. And it was brilliant. We were part of a really class year like it's amazing just even now like there are guys who I did the degree with who are still like good friends and all they're all working in design they're all like uh, some of them are you know not even based in Belfast anymore they're maybe in London or Berlin or you know wherever um but it was a really strong year and it was great. So so Craig and I had kind of gone through the degree together and we he had spent a year, like a gap year. Mm-hmm. We did this sort of diploma in industrial studies. And um, for us, genuinely, you want to say, oh, it's a great opportunity to you know get some industry experience and stuff like that. They were rebuilding our college at the time and our final year would have been like a peak, like knocking everything down yeah, yeah, stage. Yeah. Whereas if we delayed for the year, Ooh. did the year out in the industry, mm-hmm. we would get, brand spanking new shiny shiny buildings so so yeah we're kind of like this this is all working out this is good um i should probably add as well that we got married in that uh just before we took that gap year so in the middle of uni
1: uh
0: i was 20 and he was 21 legendary you were also very young when you got married, weren't hey, don't you? Throw
1: me under the bus. I was
0: twenty-one. An oh, d- oh, old man, old man, river here. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to turn twenty-one. I wasn't far off. So came back to the final year, really threw myself into all those like design practice things and tried to really like formulate sort of my own mm-hmm. style and direction. And then Craig had really—he was so so like I am a designer like he knew exactly what he wanted to do (laughs) really driven really focused um I'm much more like wiftery blowing about in the wind kind of like like a magpie you know like ooh shiny (laughs) and I'm away whereas he was just like laser focused knew that he wanted branding was his thing he was obsessed with like just the whole like top level thing of Mm -hmm. like you know, brand down right down to like the minutiae and his drive was probably. I got caught in his slipstream, and that kind of led led me into kind of believing. Okay, I could do this. I could do yeah, this yeah. for a career. I could do this with you, yeah. and we just wanted to be together all the time. And it's really funny because we went to school together. Went to uni together, started a business together, <laughs> and obviously lived together. And and it was just like twenty four seven. And yeah. I know that for some people that's their idea of hell, yeah. like in their marriage, but for me it was it was amazing. Yeah. I just loved it so much. And those early days, like so we graduated in Oh, that this is this is a, a bit of a zinger. We graduated in August two
1: thousand and eight. Right, perfect timing.
0: Which was five seconds before the recession, <laughs> literally, like like within three weeks of quote unquote starting our business. Yeah, yeah. Um, everything just like went to pot. It was a baptism of fire, like wow. it was something else. But in some ways, good because mm-hmm. we. We had nothing to lose. We had nothing to start with. We were absolutely skint. Yeah. And we were just like grafting and working out of this wee tiny bedroom in a house in Monkstown Estate, um, a wee terrace house. The bedroom was probably no bigger than this room. Yeah. and, and just like two computers two WIC computers yeah you have huge and Dell clunky yeah, machines yeah. probably yeah. I had I had the crap one and Craig had the really <laughs> nice like iMac because we could only afford one one Mac yeah and that's we that like,
1: appears in all of your photos yeah. like yeah you know we only use Apple like <laughs> I was like okay
0: I am willing to let you be the guy who has the Mac it's okay you can be the creative director <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: that's it it's like the creative director if they have the Apple product boom they're yeah. straight in like. yeah
0: totally so so yeah, we just, we started like that and um, we we got to the end of year one and it came to doing our sort of like accounts and, you know, filing our taxes and stuff like that. And a family friend was an accountant yeah, and yeah. he took pity on us and said, well, I'll help you do yeah. your accounts. Because we were just like, I yeah. don't have a head for numbers. Anybody who knows me will know I can hardly even read a phone number without like mixing the months. Yeah. And um, he was like, OK, so um, I see here uh, your your turnover for year one, £10,000 now what additional money did you access? You know, what benefits? And yeah, you're
1: like, well, I sold a couple of free school dinner tickets we- when I was <laughs> <11." laughs> 11. <Like>, no interest.
0: <laughs> Honestly. And we just looked at him like, no, that's literally what we yeah. made. We didn't, we, we didn't even know. We didn't even know like, oh, yeah. you could apply for benefits on top of that. Or like, I don't know. And in some ways that that naivety was actually like a mm. good thing because it just, it just taught us like how to know that feeling of like really grafting mm. for very little And we had no airs and graces about us. Like, we certainly didn't think, like, and at that point in time in Belfast, there were big, like, quite big companies operating. Craig had worked for a year in Triplicate, um, which were a bigger agency. I think that was the thing for him where he was like, I could come and be a very, very small cog, uh, you know, in a big machine like this and work my way up.
1: Or I can be the guy with the mark. Or
0: I can... Yeah, who makes ten? <laughs> actually, well, I suppose that works out five at five grand. thousand, five thousand pounds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh guys, it was two thousand like, I was Watching
1: Prince of Egypt over the weekend, throwback. I seen oh this yes, I oh four. my goodness,
0: Mariah, Whitney Oh, give mate, it to come me.
1: Come on, like Michelle Pfeiffer. Even you're like, I, I didn't even know at that age. That, like uh, th- there was big names in that movie. I was just yeah. like, oh, this is a movie. And like, there's a line in one of the, I think it's like a Jethro song, and it's like, when you've got nothing, there's plenty to go around. Yeah, and there is kind of like yeah. that. Like when you've got nothing to lose, it's like, I, I mean, like I we just interviewed a great student startup uh there are a bunch of animators who they literally were like looking for placements yeah and there it was just as the pandemic hit yeah and there was no placements oh, there's like yeah. three for like oh, a million students or whatever yes. it was so they just started their own business yeah, And it's, it's like fair play. why would they not yeah it's like go out and make your own placement yeah, you know yeah, so yeah, but yeah. it's it's a unique place to be in and you don't have that luxury maybe a little bit further down the line where you are responsible for kids or you know yeah. if you do have a mortgage or something like that you know Was there a moment then that you were like, oh, my goodness, Craig, we're doing it? Mm
0: -hmm. We had a couple of really opportune sort of things happen that that got us out of the bedroom. And um, again, I just feel like all success that we've had has been in spite of ourselves a lot of the time. (laughs) And then I look at it, I'm like, not really. You know, it's like, you know, we took opportunities that presented themselves. So um, there's a guy... Morris Kincaid um, and he, I guess we would always call him Mr East Belfast because he's <laughs> like one of those people that just knows everyone in East Belfast yeah. and he sits on a lot of different boards and you know he's a great guy and he was involved in an organisation that worked out of Avalon House um, on New North Road mm-hmm. and we were chatting to him about doing a rebrand for one of the subsidiary companies that worked out of there, they were an IT firm and he just happened to mention oh we've got a wee room like in our building that's just sitting there like it's not particularly useful to anybody do you guys want to run your office space out of it and we'll do a wee bit of a trade-off you do it was something like eight hours design a month and you can have the room i like that we're like oh this is perfect because we don't have to transact any cash (laughs) we can just do the work and it was it was great it was such an amazing like operation that we had where we got this and to him, it was just a wee pokey room, but yeah. to us, it might as well have been like a full penthouse. So, suite. I mean,
1: it's interesting to even bring that up. Like, why do you bring it up? Was there some sort of like, I don't know, like mindset shift associated with that where you're like, definitely oh, here we
0: go yeah yeah just getting out we'll of that. With gas, getting then. out of the house yeah <laughs> like it, just that feeling of like we have this office it was a place mm. where we could bring clients and like although i really should contextualize where we were bringing them to so <laughs> <laughs> you had two options for entering, entering the building um the first was through the Con'swater community greenway like love project uh, offices so you'd have to bring people through their office which is fine love love the greenway <laughs> or the other option was to bring them through the fire escape at the back Oh, of much the cooler. dingiest alley you've ever seen that yeah. well, it always had Come on. oh here it always <laughs> had like a white good in the alley like, yeah. a, like a washing machine tumble dryer <laughs> that someone had just left I mean left. Yeah,
1: it's just it's part of the it's like the sofa <laughs> of the streets isn't yeah. it? it's just there
0: but we were kind of like do you know what we're scrappy like this suits yeah. us we are, it's all brand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are definitely not those people. Like we're not like slick, and we're not like we're just grafters. And I think that yep. was always that always felt right for us. And then it was funny because the Greenway moved out and the DUP moved in, oh, and man. then we were like, right, okay, now <laughs> we have to bring people in through the DUP office, which you know is not everybody's cup of tea. So it was the dingy back alley. Mate,
1: I love it.
0: But then we just thought, look, we need to we need to scale this up a wee bit. And at that stage in time um we were growing and it wasn't just craig and i so um in twenty twenty eleven twenty eleven, 2011 we kind of we talked ourselves we were kind of like look we can't go on like this forever like mm-hmm. two people we need we need to expand my brother ended up doing the same degree as us and he did his placement with us and nice. you know there's a keeping the family kind of thing and i actually can't remember what year that was um terrible memory but um, I fan. know they're definitely not <laughs> you'll find. But in 2011, then we took on a guy called Johnny Lloyd and um, he actually started out as a client. And nice. yeah, it was one of the interesting I mean,
1: recruitment process.
0: Honestly, this is this is just it's is studio stereo Way. Like everything is so like none of it makes sense. It's all like very strange but he started out as a client and we just like hit it off right from the get-go Slash. just like clicked really quickly and then he was actually working as a baker at the time which was so random which was not related to the work we were doing it was like a charity he was involved with and then our daughter Isabel was born in 2012 Welcome. so at that stage um we were kind of we were happy in that we moved up actually to a slightly bigger room in avalon house which we just did <laughs> We kind of didn't tell them. The top, the top floor was empty. And we, and we just moved all our furniture up. It was kind of like we were squatters. And then we were like, surprise! We moved to this like four times the size room. Can we stay here, please? We've moved all our stuff now. And... They were just like, yeah, that's fine. Just stay there. No one was using it. It was like, I think someone was using it at some point and then they moved out. So we just thought, squatter's right. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll just get in there. We'll do an extra hour to (laughs) sign them But They were grand about it because they didn't care. And um, then it got to the stage where we were like, right, we got to get out of here because um, it was was even just, it wasn't accessible. So say we had somebody who had issues getting up the stairs. We couldn't meet them in our space. So we'd have to go meet them in a third party kind of space. So we... Looked at Portview then, um, which was just a stone's throw up the road, Epic. and we just loved it. And moved in there in August 2014, which was just a couple of months after Craig and I had moved house, like three months after we moved house, and with a two-year-old, and I was pregnant at the time. So it was like oh, it was just <laughs> there was there was loads going on, and um, it was it just felt like when I look back at kind of photos and stuff from that era of life it was just like everything was packing and moving and packing yeah. and moving and you know just like projecting forward you know like yeah. always this like sense of momentum and things things are going somewhere and and we were in we were in the Portview studio and got really settled in and you know it just felt amazing and at that stage we had i think there were five of us um so yeah that that's where we kind of ended up and we're still in portview we've kind of moved around a wee bit in the building but yeah absolutely love it
1: so good i mean you're in really good company like we've interviewed a bunch of people from portview and recently hardy growers like just like who like like urban farmers growing mushrooms in an old linen factory it's just such a good story i know and then the guys from uh, lines and current as well you know yeah, just, it's yeah. just a really up and coming place I and mean, we've got big plans for that building uh and i'm really excited to kind of see where it goes but cool vibes definitely cool vibes yeah. so you're on this trajectory of you know it's just like that classic like startup arc where it's like you're you're out of the the bedroom mm-hmm. you're into a small office and next thing you know you you're bringing the boxes and you're in you've got mm-hmm. a team around you now mm-hmm. like yeah. what happens from that point
0: so at that point um things were looking really good. Um sort of every, everything was kind of falling into place and it was it was definitely like um we we were starting to kind of get get that kind of big thinking in the play, you know, Craig and I certainly were starting to think about like okay, five-year plan, like, what are we looking at here? And we always kind of lived hand to mouth. But at that stage, 2014, we were certainly starting to, like, look to the future. And even the fact that, like, our family was growing. So we were kind of thinking, right, well, we got a mortgage for the first time. And we were kind of, like, really, really, like, sticking the roots down deep and and starting to, like, think about how do we branch out, no pun intended. Um, That was so rare. I can't believe I just said that. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) it just came out of (laughs) me. So... I had somehow managed to breeze through my twenties. I was 29 years old and I couldn't drive. I was a very nervous passenger, and I was just like, I do not want to drive. Um, however, I we we had a child, and then I did a pregnancy test one day, and it was positive, oh. and baby number two was coming. And go. I kind of anticipated, yeah, I kind of thought that might that be makes the case. Sense. <laughs> so instead of ringing Craig, who was in work that day, I was at home. um, Instead of ringing him, I rang a driving instructor and said, I'm pregnant. I need to learn to drive. (laughs) (laughs) He probably thought, who is this woman? Um, So the driving instructor knew I was pregnant before Craig did um, with baby number two, um, who turned out to be a boy. And um, so I started taking these driving lessons anyway and it was it was Saturday the 20th of December and it was kind of like the first day of the Christmas holidays you know like planning the two weeks off and um, we'd had like our work Christmas dinner the day before and we'd met some friends just at our our house for a Christmas uh, Christmas party the night before um, just some dinner and um, and then I had this driving lesson on the Saturday morning so away I went with Big Davy, the driving instructor and he takes me up sure. the Castle Ray Road and the, the lights blinding me and <laughs> um, and it was funny because on that day he actually nor, it should have been our long driving lesson yeah. and he said to me I have a car part that I need to get over on the Craigie Road I'll give you a two hour driving lesson mm. if if you're willing to go out of the way to come and pick, and pick up this part. And I was like, well, here happy days. I Long love day. things for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I'm happy to take this up. And the plan was that afternoon we were supposed to be having, um, like, brunch with Craig's side of the family yeah. and um, his brother and his kids and his mum and dad. And um, basically, th- this driving lesson went on longer than I anticipated. And I texted him to say, here, I'm going to be late home. Yeah, you know, yeah, Do yeah. you mind starting lunch? And... Came home from the driving lesson came into the house and there was like Christmas music playing and I looked in and I could just see the kitchen was like really messy and I thought, hmm, that's really weird, like why why has he not started lunch? And also nobody else was there, everyone must have been running late and I was like, what the heck is going on? And I just got this feeling, like as soon as I came into the house, I was like, there's nobody here, Mm. this is weird. And I just thought, he must be in the garden. So I went out and sort of looked for him, he wasn't there. And then I came up the stairs and what I saw was just like earth shattering, um, mm. basically found Craig dead in in the upstairs in our house and nothing could have prepared me for it. It mm. was literally the last thing I could have ever expected in my life. Um, he was fit and well and healthy um never had a complaint never had any kind of niggle or a, like in all the years i'd known him he had never even been to the doctor for so much as a cold you know <laughs> he just he just was always one of these sort of hill and hearty types yeah, yeah, just yeah. like no no issues with him and it's funny because i i always thought i was kind of like cool in a crisis that type of person and i uh, you know just immediately like got my phone out to ring the ambulance and my thumbs turned to jelly. I eventually got through to the 999 operator and, like, I just started shouting my address. Yeah. Like, because I was like, I need somebody here right That's away. Right. This is like, I'm bypassing all the information. I just needed <laughs> to get here right now. Yeah. But I knew, I'm like, there's no point. Yeah. Because, like, and I mean, it turned out then that he had died about an hour before, you know. So, um, to jump straight to, I'm sure, like, listeners are probably wondering what happened there um we find out then it took about three months to find out um yeah it was hideous like autopsy was inconclusive and that's actually what it says on his death certificate cause of death um inconclusive or something like that it's basically unknown unknown causes and that was because nothing could be picked up post-mortem um it was actually through family testing that we found out that he had um an inherited cardiac disease (laughs) um which is called brigada syndrome and it basically affects the electrical sin- signals between your brain and your heart and um, you can get like a sodium potassium imbalance and it can cause your heart to go into arrhythmia so what would have happened to him the way the the way the paramedic described it to me was he, he kept using the term sudden and catastrophic mm. and i'm like yeah that's yeah that's a that sudden says. and catastrophic and i mean to say it was surreal, really, just is an understatement. Yeah. And I should mention, I was sixteen weeks pregnant as well at the time. So even just that, um, I had just sort of started to show as well. You know, reaching that sort of period of mm-hmm. pregnancy, and you know, we started telling everybody, and um, and it, and then our daughter was two and a half at the time. So even like her trying to comprehend, like she wasn't there. Thank goodness. She happened to be with my mum, mm. and there were all these really weird little serendipitous things that kind of happened. Um, at the moment, at the moment of his actual death, he was on the phone, what? and that to me was like I only found this out like a couple of hours later. Whenever I was starting to ring people, yeah. like to talk to them, and and I actually got a call from a friend, and he he rang me really flustered. He's like, "Connie, is Craig is Craig dead?" Like, because he was just so like because he'd heard from a third party, somebody had rang him and he was like, I was on the phone with them earlier on and he described what had happened. So he yeah, was basically yeah. able to, he thought the, the line had it just, cut, dropped yeah. Out, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he said they were just chatting away and it was like a totally normal conversation. So that gave me a real pace to know like that there was no like sort of like trauma for him yeah, at yeah. the end because that was the thing that just plagued me, the thought of like, I wasn't there. Mm. I was I was out flipping Getting car parts getting for David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's weird because you find yourself clutching at straws being like, I need to find a way to like make this less hideous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I don't know it's never gonna not be hideous. <laughs> like so then that kind of um it's like the ground just opened up underneath me and I'm like, I haven't just lost my husband, I've also lost my business partner. And I'm like, what the heck is gonna happen to my life? Um, and yeah. I honestly don't really know like how I got through those mm-hmm. early days. Um, I like to think of it that I was carried through uh, on the shoulders of other people. And I 100% was. I got up every day and the only thing that motivated me to get out of bed were the kids. Mm. And I say kids plural because the only thing that kept me eating was the fact that I had a mm-hmm. child in my body who needed yeah. me to eat, yeah. and that was the other thing. I was like absolutely paranoid that something was going to happen to him mm. because of all this horrible, like um, these awful, like stress hormones and the cortisol and the like, just horrible, horrible chemical things going on in me with mm-hmm. my grief. And I was on the phone to the midwives at uh, at the the Ulster. And I'm I'm saying to them, oh, what's going to happen to my baby? And they they were so good, they were amazing. They were like reassuring me down the phone, like babies are born in war zones Literally. every day. Yeah,
1: it's actually savage. Like like savage is the only word for it. Like mm-hmm. how much the body prioritizes the baby. Mm-hmm. Like the mom can be going 100%. through like hell on earth, and the baby mm-hmm. pops out, and it's like la yeah. la la. Yeah, like, what? <laughs>
0: yeah, and he was born fit as a fiddle, absolutely fine. Yeah. Like no issues at all. Like you know, and um. Ooh,
1: We've never had that oh, in a podcast before. Oh my goodness! We both were sitting so, so still, still that the automatic light went off. Oh, I do not.
0: Literally, gesture. that happens to
1: me when I'm sitting editing by myself. <laughs> never with a guest.
0: I was like, "Pardon, I was. Oh my goodness! Oh. I'm like, is that a sign? Is that like a sign that I need to like, I need to up my game here? You know, get a bit of gesticulation. I'm too scared of moving away from the mic. That's what what is. Like, or it's like
1: banging it. I'm always afraid of hitting it. Like, and then you, you hear like you hear like Don't this noise too here. you are <laughs> like, "No, stop."
0: that oh man where was i
1: (laughs) well just like crudely there's no like delicate way to like move on from this So Mm -hmm. we'll just like we'll get a massive uh hammer and just like yeah no do do like how do you pick up the pieces of your life then because grief process is massive we could talk about that for Mm -hmm. hours but like even beyond that how do you even start to like put life not even put life back together because in a way you can't Mm -hmm. But you just keep moving forward yeah yeah
0: yeah. moving forward that's definitely like that it's funny because all the terminology about like i was i i'm i'm a language person so i'm like really obsessed with language being just right it has to be like just so and and i hate the term moving on yeah because moving on implies you've moved away from something and left it behind whereas yes. moving forward is just a trajectory you yeah. know it's like a direction and that's okay um and even even so I, I suppose i'll tell you first about the business and kind of how how we survived that mm-hmm. um that that was entirely down to johnny And Jordan. And so Jordan kind of, like, my brother, this is, he he came in then and and started working full-time with us, and I was absolutely, like, out of it. I I actually came back to work two weeks after Craig died, Mm -hmm. and I sat at my desk, and I swear, I have no idea why I was there. Mm -hmm. Like, and nobody knew why I was there. I think Mm -hmm. they were all just, like just just let just her, let do her work she away needs to do. just let yeah. her go on go on her wee emails there and like yeah. but i think i was so worried about our clients thinking mm-hmm. close for business you know like this woman is in despair sure. she's pregnant like her husband's died and yeah. we were the partners of the business like we were the owners yeah, yeah, yeah. and at that time johnny and jordan were our employees mm-hmm. and and you know by all means they could have been like here flip jump ship Absolutely. like cvs getting the cvs out to everybody <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know because it's like we're on a sinking ship and they didn't do that and like i i was just absolutely like i i can't describe to you the feeling of like camaraderie and just overwhelming gratitude that they made this they made this film and it was one of our clients did the voiceover this guy kenny who is scottish and he runs like a finance company or he that at the time that was our he's he's always working finance and he has this great scottish accent and he did a voiceover then a colleague of ours chris nelson did the filming and then johnny and jordan and chris kind of put this thing together and it was basically like a little video message to our clients and wow. we're still here and we're moving forward and, and just even nice. that language moving forward. I just loved it. And I had nothing to do with it. And yeah. and I came in and they had covered the walls like we had this big wall and our sort of our little strap line in Studio Stereo was we manage meaning. Mm-hmm. And that that it kind of is, I think, the, the thing that we hinge everything on. Like, mm-hmm. it's like we're we're here to provide aesthetic solutions to your problems, but it's all about managing meaning because everything means something. And, and that even that is sort of like a sub line, I suppose, because, you know, if you're sending out a crap message, you're still implying meaning in that, you know, so, so why not make it good? Why totally. not make it authentic? And, and I was just blown away. Um, by what they did it was such a gesture to me that that like they've got this Johnny like really carried the can in a big way and Class. I could not I couldn't express that enough yeah. and um I can't remember exactly when it was it was kind of like uh, sort of a few months later and I asked Johnny would he be willing to come on as a as a partner um, and actually, like own half the business as well because um, it was only right, and yeah. it, it was definitely like the the best decision. And thankfully, he said yes. I was like uh, bricking it. I was like, "Can I take you out for lunch?" And <laughs> <laughs> I took him, I took him to OX. so It was probably like, oh, yeah. and I genuinely like nine, now nine I know what it speaker. must. Go. This is what it must feel like to like propose to someone because that's <laughs> what I felt like. I you felt. See,
1: I'm glad you've had the experience <laughs> something like that. It's only fair. Quality, you know.
0: I was absolutely it because I was like what if he says no? Like if he says no I'm done like yeah, I'm, to- I'm yeah. like RIP Studio Stereo that's <laughs> it it's done just because I knew I was like I can't be a mum and I can't sure. like run a business on my own and you know it's certainly not the way we were doing things so like forever grateful to Johnny for taking a punt And I and I hope that he hasn't regretted that decision. You know, he's still stuck with me now. And, uh, yeah, for better, or for worse. <laughs> so he's kind of like, uh, my, my work husband. But, um, but yeah, he's long suffering. And, and like, I couldn't tell you the amount of graft he's put in, like, mm. since, since then. And always, you know, but, but wouldn't be here without him.
1: Do you know what's amazing as well in this story? And this is very kind of artificial. Like, Studio Stereo is an old studio.
0: I suppose, yeah.
1: Like, it's you've, you guys have mm-hmm. lasted a really long time yeah, yeah, like in yeah. the landscape of mm-hmm. and you know even people we mentioned earlier like mm-hmm. agencies have come and mm-hmm. gone a yeah. lot of them in that time yeah and like it's amazing that you guys are still there grafting yeah. away yeah it's cool
0: that is weird because you know whenever we first started like we we had this kind of very um like we put the work out would show people and we would deliberately try not to let people see us as individuals and try and get the meeting first. And then it was was always this thing where we were like, see if we can get to a meeting with someone where they don't say, oh, you're very young. And that was (laughs) honestly, like people used to say that verbatim, like when we would meet them, because I think they thought in their head, like, oh, can you be trusted here? You're just a kid. Whereas now- Where's
1: the 50 year old creative director with the wee bit of like, (laughs) you know, white The Don Draper. Yeah, Yeah, where's Don?
0: (laughs) That was like that's the thing in our studio. It's like all all the machines are named after Mad Men characters. <laughs> and um, who's that, Roger? That was uh, oh well. Do you know what actually? No. St- oh, no Ster- Sterling was our okay, was good. our presentation um, computer. Good, very, so it wasn't like a w- mine is Olsen. Um, and Craig's was Draper, and we never replaced that. We just let Draper go, and <laughs> we're just like that's okay, that's okay, um, and it's it's kind of ironic because yeah john johnny was cooper but he chose that himself but um and then we had we had this big uh, risograph printer and we called it rizzo after epic. stan and like honestly i'm going off in a wee mad Men, like fangirl Me thing do. you know but uh i just like, watched it, actually, can't, it can't be uh, tough
1: probably about a year and a half ago it's my first time around oh,
0: i love it it's so epic. i love it so i much. am
1: madly in love with don draper
0: he's the guy it's
1: unbelievable oh
0: if i mean see if i could Pitch like him, like honestly.
1: Oh, Make the carousel scene. <laughs> yeah. I've watched that about oh, forty times. Oh, it's like it is so magical. Like, I'm going to need to put it in the show notes. because yeah. it's just like yeah. even do, now, I'm talking to like people who want to get into like copywriting and stuff, yeah. I literally send them that video. I'm I like, have to see a wee say, bit of this.
0: That is one of my things. That if you come to me and tell me that you watch Mad Men, you didn't like it, I'm like, I'm sorry, you can't work here. we can't be friends. No, no, no. Like I, I disrespect <laughs> you as a person.
1: Like Mean Girls mode. It's like you <sighs> can't sit with us.
0: <laughs> uh, do you know? I I remember having a conversation with someone one time. And they were like, I just couldn't watch it because it was so misogynistic. And I'm like, That's, That's the, the point. point. That's the point. It's the 50s. Oh man, it's a commentary. You're supposed to be disgusted by it, yeah. you know. So yeah. yeah, it is the pinnacle. But yeah, I think in, in our hearts, all us design. And people working in that scene, we all really just <laughs> wish we were some version of Don Draper without, without the whole messed yeah. up life.
1: <laughs> yeah, without the like chronic alcoholic dependency <laughs> yeah. and like falling apart personal yeah. relationships. Yeah. yeah, but I mean... But he looks good. <laughs> he had PTSD.
0: It's okay. That is true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, um, okay, business is, mm-hmm. you know, Johnny comes in, yeah. ship's going forward. You scraft the way you always have. You have machines named after madman characters. How does your personal life kind of move on, move forward? Move forward. I oh, beg your pardon. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I mean, you're you're a, you're a words man too. <laughs> yeah, I guess like initially it was one day at a time yeah. and it was just like the achievement of the day was getting out of bed and then it was having breakfast and then it was having lunch and it, was, it got to the point, it was like people were coming and feeding me. You know, like I... Uh, I would have just these amazing friends and family who would come and like just put dinner down in front of me a real nice cooked Meals, because yeah, 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 yeah. if it was me, it would have been like a piece of toast, and yeah. I'd be like, it's that enough?"
1: I don't know what it is. I mean, I probably do actually. now I said it out loud. I was gonna say, I don't know what it is about Northern Irish people that they know how to respond to trauma so well. And I was like, mm. "Well, I mean, <laughs> that's we a got of, a bit of experience mm, there." <laughs> but there is like, there's this mode that we can shift into. It's like crisis is like it turns yeah. into like a military operation. Yeah. It's like everyone yeah. knows what they're doing. Everyone's mm-hmm. playing. It. It's like a well-oiled machine. Yeah, and it's like we, we're going to do this for about six months to a year, and that's fine. Yeah, maybe longer. Yeah, maybe.
0: yeah, 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 totally and And that was definitely my experience like the the community around me was just like unbelievable, and I can't understand that enough, like church family actual family friends like I've got some of the best friends in the world and it's funny because all their personalities really came to the fore you know so I've got this one friend and she is like the most practical pragmatic person <laughs> and she just she just came to my house and just took all my dirty laundry and she just took it <laughs> pants and everything that's how close we are what you know you, it's what just you like Stop.
1: get out of my way it's amazing
0: <laughs> she'd come you know those big like massive laundry bags the big oh, yeah. like zippy ones and she would just and the thing that was just unbelievable was when she brought it back, everything was ironed and folded. And I'm like, hold the phone. Even like,
1: folded? Honestly. You're like, mate, I would never even fold my own she's clothes. A, <laughs> she's an absolute
0: queen. Like, she's amazing. And so she, she would have been always like, I, she used to come, she used to ring me or show up at my house every day being like, have you taken your multivitamins? Because ah, you know, like goodness. when you're pregnant, you got to yeah, do the pregnant care, get get, get all that, that good stuff. And she knew, like I. It's funny because I've never ever struggled to eat in my life. Like I love food, and grief just showed me a whole a whole new way of existing yeah. where I had to remind myself to do everything. It was just like this total fog of existence, I suppose, and. Um, eating was a real struggle and it was funny because I was pregnant but I was losing weight and oh, it was like no, you know no, you, no, gotta, no, no, you gotta you no, gotta no, no. keep like yeah, feeding yeah. that baby so she was always the one being like have you eaten, have you taken your vitamins, have you done this she was kind of like bossing <laughs> me about as she, as is her personality and then of another friend and her whole thing would have been she would just come after work and she would just come and sit on the sofa and just like chill out with me and, nice. and just listen to me and let me just tell her all the mad thoughts I'd had and all the horrible things that I was feeling and She was kind of like, you know, I might as well just lay back on the sofa and go on full like counsellor mode. And I'll never forget this one day. um, I have like a wee sun trap in my bedroom in the afternoon. The light falls on the bed and she just let herself into the house. And for some reason, my daughter wasn't wasn't there at the time. And I was on my own and I was just lying in the bed. I was really just miserable this day, just lying there. And she just came up and just lay on the bed beside me and didn't didn't speak a word. And just and she just lay there for until I said something. Mm. And I'm like, here, that is, that's real friendship. Like, that. like, that's it. And I have another friend who is just one of those people that kids are just drawn to her, like mm. a moth to the flame. And she yeah, would have yeah. been like, right, I'm babysitting tonight. What are you, what are you doing? Like, you know, <laughs> and, and she's just just an absolute gem, you know, and, and I just so many people like that in my life. And I'm so grateful that those friendships preexisted this because I genuinely don't know how anybody goes through a bereavement like this without a, oh, like a nice network around them. And that is something you can't reverse engineer, you know, if it, if it doesn't pre-exist. And people have the best intentions, but it was really that core group of people who kind of dragged me from one day to the next. And, and yeah, I guess then as weeks turned to months, things got a wee bit easier. Um, Craig died in December and Elliot was born in May. Mm-hmm. And that even that, like the whole experience of getting to that point was crazy Mm -hmm. and the thought i'm gonna have to have this baby on my own Mm -hmm. and i opted to have him at home Mm -hmm. rather than go to the hospital um which is my whole it's a whole other story about me being absolutely phobic about hospitals like Mm -hmm. i hate hospitals and i had my first um my daughter in in the ulster in their home from home midwifery led unit which was great yeah but even that um like the labor was 30 hours and i think it could have been four hours if it wasn't for the psychosomatic thing going on in my head fight or flight i'm in a hospital this is awful this is where sick people are get me out of here and then it was just like this baby's never going to get born (laughs) and just the thought of having to go back there having to go back to the same place where craig was with me when she was born was so traumatic and the thought of that and then this amazing thing happened where a friend of mine said to me can i introduce you to a family friend of mine she's a midwife um mm. she was bereaved when she was 36 weeks pregnant wow. with her first child. She's been through exactly what you're going through. And I think she might be interested in becoming like a birth partner for you. We and yeah, yeah. And, wow. and her name's Roberta and she is a saint. And she came saint and Bert. went through all of that with me. And Elliot was born in a big birthing pill in my kitchen, Epic. which was genuinely amazing wow. like it was like a, you know I want to say it was a spiritual experience it was yeah. like is it really was is this the same was.
1: kitchen you work in currently yes <laughs>
0: Oh, I love that yes <laughs> the Come things on. the things that have happened in that kitchen honestly <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's not just spaghetti ball <laughs> class
1: Absolutely seriously class.
0: I know honestly the things that have gone on in that house but um, but yeah that was that was kind of that was a big sort of milestone for me getting to the point of having him and that was all. All those months, that five month period yeah. after Craig died, it was just about get to that, get to that, get yeah, to that, yeah. and then, and then see, and then I'm like, oh crap! I am a single mum who mm. hasn't a clue what she's doing, and I mean, it's taught me an awful lot about single moms mm. and single parents and just the unbelievable, like, tough job that that is. It's it's. It's not, like, double the work. It's more than mm-hmm. double the work. Like, it really is.
1: Like, I'm just going to inject some ignorance in this conversation. Like, we just, like I, I said to you, like, we just had our first baby there. Mm-hmm. And going through that experience with mm-hmm. an amazing partner. Yeah. In a really comfortable environment. And having both of us having good jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm just like, how does anybody mm-hmm. do this by themselves? Mm-hmm. I just can't. I cannot even fathom it. Yeah.
0: Well, that was my... Like that was my fear and I was so like obsessed with that in that period of time where I was just like, I can't do this, I can't do this But I was like but I must do this and it was that driving force of like this sort of mama bear thing that kinda of rose up in me where I was like I'm I'm quite logically minded. Yeah. Like I, I'm not very emotional as a person. Um I I will be emotional when it calls for it, but but it's it's funny because I guess I can be logical to a fault sometimes where I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me. And I'm like, computer says no, but my brain is like, no. Um, And it was that logical part of my brain that actually helped me in rationalizing. It was like, well, I have to survive this. I have to overcome this Mm -hmm. because these children don't deserve this. They don't deserve to have like a mum who's fallen apart because I have to be mum and dad. And I will be mum and dad. And I was kind of like, I could do this, you know, and even just choosing that, I think it was a choice. It was mm-hmm. definitely a choice, mm-hmm. and and it was a choice. It was hard work, but then, you know, I'm not I'm not afraid of a bit of mm-hmm. hard work, and and I think that was the kind of trajectory then that I went on. And I read everything. I tried to like swat up on like, you know, grieving children, mm-hmm. raising raising children after a bereavement, like mm-hmm. all these really niche topics. Yeah, really niche. And I went on like a like a deep dive on that. Um, I got connected in with loads of like. Um, like support groups and things like that for people who've been bereaved, young, um, like widowed parents, things like that. And mm-hmm. real, it's the type of niche groups that nobody ever wants to be a well, part of. Well, that's the thing, yeah. yeah nobody wants. <laughs> nobody wants to
1: know about those groups. Nobody,
0: you know. nobody does.
1: Nobody does. Yeah. I, I could be completely like making this up now, but like, i I you've just opened the Mad Men box in my brain, which has been closed <laughs> for literally since I watched it, and now it's all like muddled. Is there not like a bit where like? don draper says to peggy when peggy's like at rock bottom does he not like grab her by the shoulders and say like you have Mm -hmm. to move forward from this
0: here i need to i need to go back yeah
1: so literally there's sometimes (laughs) like we were joking about that photo of liam neeson there pointing at me in all my interviews like there's sometimes in my life where i literally i just picture that moment and i picture don draper saying to me it's like you Mm -hmm. gotta move forward from this bro you gotta keep going i'm like okay don i will i will Totally. Um, well, again, no delicate way to get here. Yeah. Somewhere where I want to go. If you don't want to talk about this, that's fine. How do you get married after having a spouse die? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. how does yeah. your spouse, your new spouse, mm-hmm. handle your dead spouse? Yeah, and yeah. what is that scenario like? Because yeah, yeah. I don't know why, but I have thought about that before, and I'm like, yeah, that's a strange scenario.
0: Totally. Well, it was a surprise to me as well. <laughs> I must confess, <laughs> honestly. Like, I, I suppose, like. Um, when Craig died, I was just like, "There is nobody. Yeah. There How is could you nobody even else." Remotely file them at, yeah. a, at that point. Yeah, yeah, and there is nobody else for me. And I remember, like, a, a well-meaning family member said to me, "Don't worry, you'll not be on your own for long." And I was so offended. Yeah, right. I was. Like, I'm about
1: to break your nose. Right oh, now. I
0: was like, I was ready to kill. Yeah, like because I was like. You think all I need is a replacement model? Like yeah, that yeah, doesn't yeah. exist. Exactly. And and you know when you when you have loved somebody
1: especially from that age as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, well that's it. it does, and it we hits different, I think. we had grown up together. Yeah. Our whole like my life and his life were so intertwined. I genuinely I didn't even know who I was. Sure. Never mind like all, on my own and I think that was that in itself was a whole like I hate to use the word journey but like it was mm-hmm. like oh, am I? You know? (laughs) (laughs) lame Mis vibes. uh, Yeah. But but yeah, it was definitely, um, it was definitely something that just disgusted me, the thought of it. I I was like, he was the only one for me. It would be a disservice to whoever this other person is because I could never love them in the same way that I loved him. And, And I was so adamant and so sure about that. And then time passes and you start to kind of, realize who you are in yourself and and also do you know what is so strange i've spoken to loads of people about this like post bereavement and realized that craig and i were kind of weird and that we'd had that that whole chat the whole if you died and loads of people had said to me like i knew everything about even though neither of us were likely to die yeah as in neither of us were ill that we knew of we, I guess just the, or the way, because we we're always together and we talked about absolutely everything and, you know, just had that type of relationship and also like really pragmatic. Um, like I knew everything about what his wishes would have been for me and for him, yeah. like yeah. if he or I had died. And both of us were like, oh, no, I would really want you to meet somebody else and yeah. I would really want you to. And, and I was thinking of that as me. Being the dead person, yes. and him being the one—it's always easier oh, to yeah. put yourself
1: in the dead. Yeah, too, isn't
0: yeah, good? yeah. And I remember being like, well, "Yeah, but that's like a moot point because, like, I would—I could never feel about anybody the way I feel about you." And time, time kind of passed, and I, I was kind of thinking to myself, "Flip, like, I'm, I'm in my early thirties here. I've got these little kids growing up. Like, the, the sting of of grief had kind of waned." in that it was always there and it would hit you now and again sideways but it wasn't affecting my day-to-day life in that I could get up and do all my things and kind of like, I start. I was starting to think about what does my future look like mm-hmm. and I basically just got to the point well, I think the first step was when I decided to take off my, my rings and that actually mm. took, that was like a, a year I never thought about yeah, that Yeah, so I still wore my wedding engagement ring um, The Craig got me like for a long time after yeah, yeah, he died. Yeah. And it wasn't until a friend's wedding the following year. Um, so it was like a full year later. And I was invited to their wedding and I was sitting through the vows, and mm. I was really listening to them. And, it, you know, it's just that line, you know, until until death does part or wow. whatever way it was worded. And it just hit me. I'm not married anymore. You know, and that's okay. Those were the vows that we made and and death has parted us. And and now I am a person who is, you know, no longer married, but I'm still wearing these rings as if to send the world a message. But I am married. And Mm. and at that point, I just had a pace in me. I was like, right, I I think I'm ready to take off these rings, not because I'm on the market, not because I'm out there being like single and ready to mingle, (laughs) but just because I felt like it was part of my healing process. It was part of like... This is what I need to do. It's not about separating myself from Craig. It's about just saying that my life has a future mm-hmm. and I don't know what that is. And it, it might just be to be a single mom and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm ready for that. But also open to the possibility that I don't actually know much in the way that I didn't know what life had in sure, store for me anyway. Absolutely. So yeah. just trying to keep an open mind. And I genuinely never, like I wasn't, I wasn't like out on the hunt. Yeah. Let's just say I yeah. wasn't I wasn't on Tinder. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't on Tinder. Um, basically, there was a night and it's really it's funny, actually, because we're here in the Orma Bath and um, I was at a gig in the limelight nice. and just across the street. And I was very excited about this gig. It was James Blake. And I had been, like, I bought the tickets, like, the day they came out. I love <laughs> I love James Blake. I had really gone to this gig hoping that James Blake would just look at me and be like, whoa.
1: She's, <laughs> whoa, no ring on those fingers. <laughs> she's the one. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: It didn't work out like that. But basically, I got introduced to this guy through a friend of a friend. And um, I... I just was like oh hello nice to meet you and it was one of those moments where we we ended up just chatting to each other in a really like innocent kind of way but you know just when you just get a rapport with someone and and you're kind of like you get each other and you kind of have a wee bit of crack and so the gig was in the limelight that was fine I was kind of like right James Blake starting bye you know I was like straight (laughs) to the front of the crowd like just like James marry me (laughs) (laughs) I remember being really offended at that gig because loads of people were talking and I'm like why did you pay money to come here and talk at this gig oh, this guy game. is like, like unbelievable animals. oh disgusting it was so bad that he actually stopped in the middle of the gig and oh. was like God, everyone's stopping so rude in this very like genteel English way um, so I was I was very disappointed in the people of Belfast that wow. night you let me down worst of Belfast you gotta, you gotta show <laughs> show James Blake that you're a serious fan <laughs> <laughs> so that was over and then I was kind of like loving life because I had overnight babysitting that night and um, that was that was the glorious thing so I I didn't have to get home for the kids and my brother was there and he was like oh we're all going to Lavery's after do you want to come with me and I'm like yeah the night is young why not sure I'll just have a bit of fun and then this guy Scott who I'd met um, just earlier on and kind of thought I would never see again he ended up being there and um, we ended up up in laveries and it's that thing everyone's in a group and then you end up just peeling off to the side Uh and getting Uh all the chat getting all the chat and like it it was just such a funny thing because I I feel like I can get on with anybody but there's definitely just that wee thing I was like there's something different here in this conversation and then it started to get really weird because I then discovered we had gone to the same school right never met each other right he is younger than me. So, you know, like in school, that's like, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I do like to remind him of all <laughs> the things that were before his time <laughs> and he hates it. But he's only a bit younger than me. it's like three years, but two school years younger. But, you know, in school, that could, oh, that could be like eons. a thousand years. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gosh, yeah. So I and we'd actually been in a school play together and like never cross paths. Then it gets even weirder. Uh-oh. So his dad is a teacher in the school. Uh-oh. His dad was Craig's form teacher.
1: Right.
0: So his dad knew Craig quite well from school. And we all went to the same school together, but we'd never met. And like the three of us, our paths never crossed individually. And then even weird things like Craig had always played in bands. So he'd always been kind of involved in the Belfast music scene. And then Scott was in a band and he was not involved in the Belfast music scene. And it was so weird. So whenever I went back and I did that creepy Facebook stalk thing, and we had 99 mutual friends oh, but we'd never met and i think it was just that we sort of like uh, social lives that were just ever so slightly the venn mm. diagram hadn't quite overlapped yet Get but it,
1: yeah.
0: and i'm like that was the best thing ever do you know that wedding i was telling you about where i uh-huh. took off uh-huh. my rings he was meant to be at that wedding and i sat and thought about it and i was like if he ha-, he wasn't able to come because he was in scotland at the time yeah. um if he had have come to that wedding, I think we would have been put at the same table. But he was with his then ex-girlfriend. Oh. So, can you imagine? Time can you imagine? Good, like I know, I know. So, just surreal, surreal set of events. And from that night, I was kind of like, whoa, what just happened? Mm. It was like a weird little lightning bolt. Kind of like, uh ah, ah. did not see that coming. And... He actually knew, he knew of me. Yes. So I didn't have to do the whole, like, That's great. let me tell you my story. My name is Connie. I am yeah, a widow. Yeah, 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 I am from yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, because I hated that. I sure. hated that whenever I met people, like, post-bereavement, yeah. having to do that whole let me explain to you why I've got these two kids and where their dad is you know yeah. and it's like even, even to this day it's still really awkward you know whenever you have to like I was at the opticians with my daughter last week and had to explain to the optician I'm very short sighted Craig was very short sighted and I said oh she's got two very short sighted parents and she asked me about her dad in the present yeah. tense and I, I was like oh no I'm just the way it was I worded, just don't want to get into it I You're know like- I know but <laughs> then for, for Isabel's sake I had it's to sad, kind of 100%. explain you yeah, know and yeah. model that sort of like we're okay talking about this yes. and we're not like we're not going to be strange about it and that's fine Um, and it was it was absolutely fine but um, yeah just just knowing with him I don't have to do that weird backstory thing Mm -hmm. and he'd actually like so I'd started writing this blog and I did it I did it originally because I started writing it actually three weeks after Craig died Mm -hmm. and I say I say blog I mean it was me typing on my laptop Mm -hmm. kind of like Mind dump mm-hmm. over here. I found it cathartic. Yeah, I was like, if fun. I write, if I write, it gets it out of me, and it's gone, and it's it's sent out in into the ether. Yeah. And then I shared it with a friend. Um, it was just like, I think like a text file. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like a thing. And um, she had said to me, "You should just like put this out there because it really helps people know where you're at." And it was. It was a weird thing. It was a weird thing being like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to like commit to this. And um, I put it up. I put it up online and um, he had read it. So even that. He got the full backstory. Yeah. Yeah. And he wasn't, he wasn't scared off, which was the thing that I was like, that kind of like showed me a bit of his character. Then things got a bit more complicated because I met him on a Friday and he went to the Scottish Highlands on the Monday for a job interview. Got offered the job on the Wednesday.
1: Complicated.
0: And then three weeks later, moved to Elgin. Ach,
1: flip's sake.
0: I know. And But there was just this thing, and we both knew. We were like, hmm, this is weird. Like, what is this? And even just, like, he wasn't intimidated by the fact that there were two kids. Mm-hmm. Um, he is genuinely one of those people that is just like a pied piper for kids anyway like it's just so so, I'm I'm so envious of people like that because I'm even though I have kids and I love kids yeah I don't have that thing like that magic that some people have where kids just love like Mm. having the crack with them and I still remember like it was ages before I introduced him to the kids him being in Scotland kind of made life a lot easier because because it was kind of like we could do a long distance relationship and really really get to know each other there was a lot of FaceTime. I was like, I was uh, doing the whole like video calls before they were cool, you know, like (laughs) (laughs) before COVID. Um, And we FaceTime like every night after the kids went to bed and and it was just that real way of kind of getting to know each other properly. And I got to the stage and we were like, here, this this actually looks like it's a thing. Like this is a proper relationship and we need to start telling people. And I was like, even that was like, I didn't want to tell anybody because I felt really like it was almost like I need to know. And then for Craig's family as well, Mm -hmm. like, and they are, you know, I haven't mentioned this, but like they, they are just my other family. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like they're not Craig's family. They're my family. And like my in-laws, they're my other mom and dad. And, and just thought of like, how are they going to receive this information? And are they going to feel like, you know, okay about this? And what are they going to think about him? And it was Sort of, um I think it was like Christmas time, um, and I was like, "Oh, right!" I have to tell them now. You know, like, oh, and I, even that was like a really scary conversation. But it was, it was so well received, mm. and they are just such good people. And and like they, th- there was no, there it's was almost n- best for you, yeah. And think. and they were they were really excited to meet him. And then they met him at New Year's on New Year's Day. We went up to the morns and did a big hike oh, and. Um, and they, they liked him, you know, so I was like, oh, he passed the test. <laughs> and, you know, every, everybody was like, okay, right. And it was funny because my friends, they were, they were kind of like protective. They were a bit like, "Oh yeah, don't mess don't her about, dare. don't you dare, you know, which has been thrown off. Um, but things, things worked out evidently. And, right. um, yeah, we ended up, uh, we ended up having a bit of a whirlwind, well, whirl, sorry, whirl, whirlwind relationship, um, Met in October and got married the following December. Alfred. So, yeah, and that with it, with a nine month long distance relationship in between. He came home and then it was basically like, uh, like, let's get married. And we were engaged for like 11 weeks and just did it. And yeah, Made that was
1: stage of life. And you're like, in that scenario, it's like, if you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it, aren't
0: you? Yeah, totally. Well, that's it. I, I kind of knew, like, I knew, like, what. I knew what i wanted i knew my own mind um and also no point in nursing about like i yeah. know life is short That's and yeah just like live it and it, it makes life a lot easier actually it's very liberating like when you feel like everything has been taken away from you you realize what actually is important to you and it's actually really basic things and um it's funny because even just the whole notion of success and, and you know, thinking about what is success. The longer I live, the smaller my idea of success becomes. Mm. But it's actually, it's the one that's actually the hardest to achieve, you know, yeah. to, to actually have like like a happy, balanced life that is relational and not about how much you can accumulate. And, and I feel like when you're young, our culture kind of teaches you that it's about how much how much you can build up in your big pile of things. Yeah,
1: whether it's accolades or certificates yeah, or exactly. status yeah. symbols. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: whereas I'm just, like, so disinterested by all those things. I'm just, like, I just want to surround myself with people and, yeah. like, people who are having a good time and enjoy each other. And, yeah, it's, I mean, I genuinely, I know I've been through, like, some crap, but I couldn't, I couldn't be more content, yeah. like and i really mean that and it probably sounds like really cheesy bumper stickery kind of thing but the way life has kind of worked out it's like it's been a revelation about you know what it, what is the purpose of life what what matters and mm-hmm. what doesn't and it it has been liberating and yeah. in, in a weird and very convoluted and strange and horrible kind of way
1: so i mean it's funny because like my next question as we kind of like move into the you know the start questions um My next question was like, what has been the most successful moment of life?
0: I think for me, it was probably it was probably giving birth to my son um, at home and doing that in exactly the way that I'd hoped, Mm. Um, because there was something in that that was like. It's funny because like I suppose I I thought about that because because I know you do ask that question to people and I kind of had it in, in the back of my mind being like, oh, Flip, he's going to want to know what I think is <laughs> about, about my most successful woman. I'm, I'm like, it's definitely not anything that I've achieved in terms of work or anything yeah. like that. Because it's just, to me, I'm like, all those things are fleeting, you know, and, and they can all be replaced and they can all be, you know, changed or taken away or whatever. Um, whereas that was the thing. And I'm like, this is a primal experience that is that is like completely you know it's it's the thing that's happening only to me and i'm a certain amount in control of it but also really not in control of it as well and there was just that weird dichotomy of 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 being out of control but but wanting but knowing that if i could be in control to the extent that i wanted to be that it could be almost like a level up badge for like (laughs) i i've survived this thing which means i can do the next thing you know and, and
1: well is that why you described it earlier as a spiritual experience 'Cause there's that yeah. sense of like a level upness to Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I like think that.
0: so. I think so. Like and it genuinely was like so I've had three children, I should probably clarify. I, I did have Another baby for <laughs> <laughs> in uh, in twenty nineteen. Um, yeah,
1: just in case twenty nineteen baby listens to this in twenty seventy, it's
0: like, Mom, be, you d- you he's like, you he didn't me. mention me, your baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and he was born at home as well, um, nice. which is is really funny. And I just think, wow, like our house, our we sort of joke if we ever move out of the house, it's like just whoa, like there's been so much that's happened there. It's literally a house of life and death, like yeah, like in the most like
1: Oh, basic way that is something wild you've just said this is mm-hmm. this is really probably stupid for me to bring this in we did a documentary about helen lewis who was the holocaust survivor Yeah, yeah. and at the end of her book and we were talking to her son about this and he was like totally on board with it but she mentions that how like one of the real healing processes for her after the holocaust mm-hmm. was having kids yeah, and bringing yeah, life yeah, into yeah, the world yeah. and there's this sense of like there's been death here, but, like, yes. life has triumphed. And Do you know what? so interesting that there, isn't it? Is
0: exactly it. And like I can't believe I, I forgot to, to home, say that. You've, like, yeah. You've yeah. like shifted it or yes. something? Yes, that is exactly it. That was, like, that was one of the key reasons why I wanted to have him at home. Wow. It was about kind of, like, um claiming life over death. Oh. And and even just the fact that I was like, Craig I would love this because it's so, like, subversive. And it so is. everybody was absolutely bricking it for me. They were like, Connie... I don't think you should do this. This is this is dangerous. Like, y- you're already a single mom. You don't want to, like, take any risks here. Think of the children. And um, I know my family were all really supportive, but I know there was no, a, a latent well. kind of a nervousness. Wait. Yeah, oh, 100%. Like,
1: don't tell me what to do. <laughs>
0: yes. So there was definitely that, but there was also this thing of, like, f- those months after, I couldn't help but feel... It wasn't that I felt like... Um, It wasn't like a presence of death Mm -hmm. because by no means like there was definitely like a bizarre, almost like a kind of supernatural pace in the house. Um, But there were definitely like things for me where it was like sort of PTSD kind of things where I was like, even just I didn't know that this was what it was at the time because I'd never been to like counseling or had any kind of like professional input in this way. But um, I used to have this thing where when I came up the stairs. I would get these flashbacks Mm -hmm. and they were genuinely like PTSD flashbacks. I didn't know that's what it was. It wasn't until after the fact that I read what the symptoms of PTSD were. And I'm like, whoa, okay, that is how I am experiencing this. And I would get these weird, almost like out of body experiences where I would just be like right back in that moment. And so I just started doing what I later found was exposure therapy, Mm -hmm. where I would stand on the stairs and I would just look at like exactly the place where I found him. And I would just stand for as long as I could take it. And then I would... Wow. stop and then the next time I came up the stairs I would do it again and and this went on for like ages, it yeah. went on for so long until it didn't have an effect on me anymore wow. and it's funny because there there was a period of time where I genuinely was like this is too painful, I can't do this but mm-hmm. then I just knew there was something in me, I was like no, no, no anything worth doing is hard work yeah. and this has to be done yeah. And and having Elliot at home was kind of like that too, it was like it was like, this is me waving my big,
1: life my flag big, flag. yeah,
0: yeah. Just like I choose life. I claim life. I I am going to not allow this sort of like despair to mm-hmm. descend on my family. We are we are people of joy. We are mm-hmm. people of hope. And, and just wanting that for the kids, just yeah. to be like, this is who we are. You know, we're not defined by this tragedy. Yeah. And, and Craig would have hated that. He would have been like, who are you? Like, yeah. you know, come on, we're better yeah, than this. Like, yeah. we can, we can like you know we can rise above this we can overcome you know and and I think that that was the word overcomer was kind of like the thing that I kept coming back to it's like I want to overcome and you got it like totally spot on it was definitely about like something about reclaiming like that positive thing and then once I'd done it once I was like here home birth is the way (laughs) like listeners of Belfast home birth for life it's amazing honestly it's so good
1: I mean, I just feel like the my um, my graciousness, my flow has been all over the place in this interview because things are just, like, being, like, jammed in. It's like, this is such a weird place to ask this question, but if you could take anyone from Northern Ireland <laughs> for a coffee, who would you take and where would you take them and why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man.
0: Honestly. Uh, do you know what? This this has unraveled me because, like, I know you asked people this question and I'm like...
1: This is the unraveling. Dep- of, it depends. Of many people. Yeah, yeah, it depends what mood I'm in. I get a mean. sick sense of satisfaction from that, especially when they don't know what's coming. Yeah, and then you just see them there for thirty seconds, You're like, like oh, man.
0: staring. Yeah. Well, do you know what's funny? It depends what mood I'm in. I think like I one of the the books that I read um, after Craig died was A Grape Observed by C.S. Lewis, and it was his diary. Have you ever read it?
1: i haven't
0: it's amazing i mean it's it's a niche read because it's one of those ones i'm that's gonna kinda... be honest
1: i haven't read it because i haven't needed to read it yeah yet, yeah but it's there yeah, Like literally yeah. it's there on the shelf i'm like when that day comes yeah. i'm gonna get into
0: it i do you know what's really funny i used to i used to read it in the bath because it was like me time yeah. <laughs> yeah and like it's i've got that like association but that was just like i've read so many things on grief And that one, I've always found C.S. Lewis, like the way I I love, I love his mind. I love, I love all his apologetics works. Like I just, I just love the pragmatism, the logic, the the sort of like, the, the sort of way his brain ticked. And reading that, I was just like. Wow. Like, I feel like you've kind of climbed inside my brain a wee bit. And there was loads of stuff there. I'm like, this isn't for everyone. I know this, like somebody else who's been through a bereavement would find this galling maybe at times. But for me, I was like, flip, that, that really speaks to me. And, and just because it's like a journal, you know, it's his own, it's his own experience. So, yeah, like I'd love to pick his brain on that yeah. and just like have a good old chat about that.
1: Big Clyde Staples, big East yeah,
0: Belfast. Man. Yeah, and I and, and he's kind of like just about belongs in Belfast, doesn't he? Because no, he did, we, we he abandoned us, we, but we, we hold we on. Don't talk about that. We hold on for dear East life.
1: Belfast, from them, East Belfast, there's a mural of East Belfast. Definitely. <laughs> that was just where,
0: that was just uh, up the street from where our first studio was.
1: Unreal. <laughs> so good. So, look, Connie, this has been a. You, you mentioned the J word earlier and I'm going to say it again this has been a real journey it's been, <laughs> journey. A, it's been a, real, a real fascinating one I've um, kind of gone through the last hour or so um, final question if you could go back to that 18 year old Connie mm. who is uh, just about to go to uni <laughs> boy oh boy she did not know what was coming like I know but if, oh, you, if you did have a few minutes of her time what would you oh, say oh
0: dear help us I just say to myself, like, keep your chin up, and like, life, life is going to throw all sorts of things at you, but like, you'll be grand mm. and don't pluck your eyebrows so much. <laughs> do they not <knock> grow back <laughs> anymore? They don't. Oh, God, though, no, honestly, no, you overdid I know, it. Oh, I know. No. Those those naughty influencers <laughs> have got some explaining to do. <laughs>
1: Awesome. Well, yeah, look, I mean, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for um, spending this time with myself, Connie. Really hope you enjoyed that. I just thought it was absolutely amazing. And uh, thanks to Abigail for recommending this and setting this up because I'm so glad you did because it's been an unexpected joy and uh, a really special story to share. So, Connie, look... I just have to say thank you to you as well oh, for thank you. Coming Thanks for in. having me and really? putting
0: up all my rambles.
1: <laughs> Mate, I'm in the rambling
0: business. It's perfect. <laughs> rambling, man. Literally. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks.
1: That's us. That is a <sighs> wraparoonie.
0: Sweet mercy.